everybody, Andrew with the We Are Rising podcast. Uh, thank you for tuning to this interview with Johnny Hollywood Case, uh, who won his Rising debut at Rising 14 against Yusuke Yachi in the second round by Dr. Stoppage. Uh, we talk about his fight with Yachi. Uh, we dissect the fight and talk about um, what happened um, during the fight. Uh, we also talk about the Grand Prix, the lightweight Grand Prix that uh, looks like will be happening in Ryzen sometime later this year, or hopefully will happen. Uh, we talk about possible fights that he would like against uh, against um, Takanori Gomi, Damian Brown, and uh, yeah, it's a very good interview. Um, we ask a lot of questions and we get a lot of great answers from um, from uh, Johnny Case. Um, I also would like to add that the uh, that the Ryzen We Are Ryzen podcast contest is still on uh, for the Ryzen 11 and 12 program, a a free program that we are giving away to a lucky listener at random. Um, to just enter yourself, just send me a DM on Twitter saying you want to be in the contest at the We Are Ryzen podcast Twitter, which is at We Are Ryzen Pod. Um, and uh, thank you very much for the support and for tuning in and enjoy this interview with Johnny Highwood Case. Hey everybody, you are listening to the We Are Rising podcast, your source for all things Rising, news, features, interviews, reviews of fights, etc., etc. This is your host, Andrew Benjamin, and I am joined again by a returning guest, uh, Johnny Highwood Case, fresh off his win from Rising 14. Uh, he... Defeated Yusuke Yachi, round two, four minutes and 47 seconds into his second round. And it was by TKO, Dr. Stoppage. Uh, Johnny, thank you again for doing this interview. I really appreciate it. Hell yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It's good to be back. Uh, well, first of all, um, happy belated New Year's. Um, you must be feeling great after this win um, at Ryzen. You're 2-0 and at the uh, Saitama Super Arena. <laughs> yeah, man. It's awesome. Anybody who you know who's ever fought in Japan knows that the, the fans there are just are better than any any other place in the world. You know, they're just super. They they look at uh, MMA fighters kind of like rock stars. You know, they just they, they revere us the highest over there. So uh, just going to there and fighting for those fans is just awesome. Anyway, you know, let alone being able to go, uh, you know, fight old school pride rules. You know, adding soccer kicks on the ground, knees to the head. Uh, it was just an awesome experience and. I was uh, I was really happy to go over there and pick up another win. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, actually, regarding Pride Rules, we do have a question from a, a listener. Uh, at Teep to the Junk asks, uh, did you prepare for this fight at all differently? Uh, regarding, since they had Pride uh, Rules, you know, soccer kicks and knees to the head of a grounded opponent, um, and, uh, you know, the use of the, of the ring instead of a cage, did you at all prepare differently for this fight? Uh, yes and no. I mean, uh, you know, I pretty much implemented my style. Like, my style is always my style to go out there and strike and make it exciting. And, uh, you know, if, if, I, if I wrestle, I could do a lot of scrambling and, and striking anyway. So that's kind of my style. But, let alone, you know, my as far as the defense, yes. You know, without the cage, um, the cage wall there, you can't really, you know, it takes a lot of the wrestling away offensively. And your get-ups are, aren't quite there defensively. Um, as well as on the ground, you know, it's just so much more, uh, it's so much more action oriented that, that fighting style, you know, you can't really just go out there and, 
if you're on your back, just like, okay, I'm just going to lay here and kind of take it easy. You know, it's like you're in, you're in severe danger. If you're on your back and that fighting with those rule sets, you're, you're basically, you know, one sledgehammer away to the head or being fight over. So, you know, it's just, just, it really opened my, I never really trained that style before that style of fighting, but it really opened my eyes to just how vulnerable you are to be kneed in the head at any time on the ground, you know? And if you, of course, if, if you're on your back, and they're standing. That's that's about the worst position you can be in in any fight, but especially in, in, with the pride rules and the soccer kicks and the stomps, it's it's just it's uh, so unforgiving. Um, it really it really forces you to uh, you know to push the action. And if you're on your back, you can't be lazy. And you know if you're tired, better get your ass better get up and be tired on your feet than you know be tired on the ground again and get, get knocked unconscious. So. Mm-hmm. so I would I like to talk about the fight, um, go through it, um, all two rounds of it, uh, and uh, for anybody who wants to rewatch the fight, they can order it on FightTV.com. And uh, well, uh, one of the immediately into the first round, about ten se- a little over ten seconds, you knock down Yusuke Yachi with an overhand right, uh, or you, you send him rocking to uh, uh, to uh, one, to the other corner. Um, and uh, did you did you think you had him finished at this point that if this was going to be a just a just a quick fight for you or did it surprise you that uh, how quickly he recovered from that uh, from that overhand right? Yeah, no, not at all. Like I knew I I knew this this guy was tough and I knew he was going to be a fight. You know, uh, I never go out there and expect to just knock through anybody. But actually, what knocked him down it was the the jab. I, I actually threw a one into the overhand, and it was actually the jab that landed that kind of knocked him off balance, and. Uh, and that's kind of what knocked him down. Um, and then, you know, he kind of staggered and got to the ropes, and I got that body lock and took him down. Uh, but, no, I knew I knew this guy had a chin. This guy is a veteran of the sport, and this guy's as tough as they come. So, no, I never, I, I was never really uh, letting the, letting off the gas, but I never really, uh, you know, blew my wad to try to finish the fight at that second, so to say. I just rewounded 15 seconds before, and, uh, yeah, I just noticed the, that jab. It was so quick. I didn't even notice it on the... Uh, after repeated watching, I thought it was the uh, overhand right the entire time. No, but then you actually, also, oh sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, it was actually just a short little jab, just setting up that overhand right that knocked him off balance. But then also, I, uh, as he goes to the corner, he tries to scramble. Away. You got this nice body punch on him, which I think would have sent almost anybody else down to the ground. I'm actually surprised that the body punch didn't do more damage, or it didn't appear to do more damage to him than, uh, uh, I mean. It looked like it hurt a lot. Yeah, I mean, dude, that dude was, uh, you know, a machine. That guy was, you know, physically a specimen. So I hit him with a, a few good body shots. You know, I hit him with, like, two or three good right hands of the body that were solid, but good right hands. And I hit him with a good hard body kick, too, and it didn't seem to slow him down a bit. A bit. Now, now, you also took him, you took him down, um, and uh, then he put you in butterfly guard. I'm actually surprised that... A lot of fighters don't utilize the butterfly guard um, as much as I, as much as you expect. You know, obviously, you know the jujitsu uh, experts are the ones who tend to use it more. But uh, I wouldn't say Yusuke Yachi is a, is you know, is a jacare or or any of that sort. But were you surprised at all that he that he was using butterfly guard to keep you away as opposed to just uh, trying to go into the regular guard to try to work for a submission that way? Um. Yeah, no, yes and no. I mean, uh, you know, uh, me as a, uh, uh, when I'm on my back, I'm, I'm a huge butterfly guy. I always get my legs into the fight, whether it's getting to my half guard and doing my setups there or, you know, getting to my butterfly, getting to stand up, my technical get-ups. I'm a, I, I like uh, I like my 
uh, butterfly guards a lot. So, you know, when I was in that position, it didn't really surprise me anything. But, uh, you know, it's just another element of the fight that I prepared for. And, and uh, I just, you know, took care of business. The other uh, other thing I wanted to bring up is that uh, Yachi is a, uh, is a southpaw fighter. Um, I don't know how many southpaw fighters you fought in your uh, career, but uh, was this something you also trained for uh, before the fight? Absolutely. So, yeah, I fought, I fought a great deal of southpaws in my career, um, as well as my main training partner being Vincent Henderson, uh, former UFC world champion, former WEC world champion. He's also a southpaw. And um, we thought uh, this guy had a similar stature, similar striking style as Benson. Nothing, I mean, you know, in my opinion, doesn't hold a candle to Benson. Benson's, you know, one of the best in the world. So, uh, so yeah, it was really great having Benson to use uh, for my main sparring partner. And just, uh, yeah, you know, I really studied, uh, studied a lot of film on this guy. It's something I never really did in detail in the past. You know, I've always... I've always watched film on my opponents, but it's it's more or less just to kind of generalize what they like to do, and then I just worry about myself. But this guy really dissected his technique, his flaws, um, where we could really capitalize on his mistakes. It's actually funny. I can see the Benson-Henderson comparison absolutely now that you bring it up. They almost have the same body type. I think that Yachi may be a little bit taller, but they've got that really just that squat muscular upper body with the strong legs. I can see it totally now. And if you want to also add also, uh, their hair, like you can tell they really care about their hair. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Their hair is actually, yeah, it was fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, physically, they're, they're you know, pretty similar as well. Um, you know, Benson's a tank and I'm just a freak athlete. And I think Yachi would, you know, uh, you know, Yachi's pretty well the same. Now, about one minute and 50, uh, 54 seconds into the first round, he got you with an, uh, a right cross that looked like it... it I couldn't tell if, it, if you just got knocked down because you were off balance or if it just you got like momentarily rocked. Do you happen to remember that moment? Um, yeah, I actually do. I, and I was kind of like I was off balance. I remember I was kind of off balance. But he did. He dropped me down to my knee, which I was surprised. But, um, you know, it, I've been in 33 professional fights. And, uh, you know, you never really, like, you, you know when you get hit. When you get hit with a punch and it hurts you, you remember it in the fight. And uh, at, no, I don't even remember being being touched with a punch um, with the Yachi fight, which means he never really hit me with anything significant. I know he landed some punches after watching the film, but never in the fight that I ever realized, like, oh, you, he hit me pretty good, you know. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, that definitely the punch that you're talking about where I go down to my knee, uh it was just, I think it was kind of like I was off balance and, you know, he just, I mean, he, he, he wobbled me obviously because I went down to my knee, but uh, it was never in danger of, of stopping the fight or I was never, I was never hurt at all. The other thing also I just realized is, uh, I don't know if it was muscle memory or if you just saw the opportunity, you immediately go for a single leg as soon as you go down. Was that, uh, was that something you just, you saw as opportunity or was that just something that you go for if you, if you go down to a knee? Yeah, I mean, I was, I, that was more or less just, you know, I was out there just flowing, you know. I just, uh, I, that was the position that, that happened to, to be, you know, that happened to be right there at that time, that single leg. Uh, you know, I don't ever recall, like, being like, oh, now it's my single leg. But, you know, that's that's part of fighting, you know. We're kind of in a flow state, and uh, you're just out there and just in the action, and, and you're reacting. And that's, you know, that's the result of hard work and years of experience. Now, I just got up to the part where you... Where you hit him with the, I believe it was a a, a, a cross, and uh, he his eye starts to swell. It's not it's not too obvious, but if 
you could tell that there's something that there's something wrong with his right eye, whether it's bruising or something like that. Did you happen to notice anything while the fight was going on that like, oh, this guy, this guy's starting to lose eyesight in his uh, right eye? Every punch that I landed was 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 to that result. So that was actually, like I said, we were studying the game film. So we had noticed his best punch. Uh, him being a southpaw was his lead right hook. And we also noticed every time he threw that right hook, he turned his head, exposing that eye every single time he threw it. Sometimes he would throw it so big and heavy that he would actually throw himself way off balance. So that was my goal the whole fight, was just land that long, straight right hand of mine and right, touch that eye, touch that eye, touch that eye. And uh, and, that, and that's exactly what happened. Like, I think I probably hit him with a good, like, at least five or six solid right hands where I remember just right to the eyeball, right to the eyeball. So it's not trying to really just break that out that orbital, you know. It sounds like the the, the right the right the, the right part of his face, the right eye, uh, was uh, was specifically a target for you in this fight. Is that that was basically the game plan? Was just was that was go for that side? Is that what I'm, was that what you're saying? Absolutely. Yep. Yep. That was it. And then the, the head kick, the right head kick as well. But I, I for whatever reason, I just wasn't feeling the range on the head kick. So the, the right the right hand was working just. Targeting that eyeball the whole fight. Another question I want to ask you is: I noticed that you taped uh, both your ankles. Was there any reason uh, for doing that? Was there an injury, or was this, or was it strategic reasons, or was there any reason behind that? Yeah, because uh, so in Japan they like they allow for special things. Like in America and the UFC, you know, they have there's very there's regulatory. You can't wear wrestling shoes. You can't tape your ankles. You can't do all this. That is, a lot of people don't know, man. Like that's that's an actual weapon. You know, if I'm out there with a naked ankle and I kick an elbow or I kick a knee, that that's going to mess up my ankle. But if I tape my ankles and I make that sucker into a cast and I kick you in the head or the arms or wherever, that's like getting whacked with a baseball bat. You know, mm. a lot of people don't know. You tape that ankle up and now that, that you just structurally enhance that ankle by ten by tenfold. So that's why. Because they, they, allow, they allow you to tape over there. You can tape your knees, your elbows, your ankles. So I figured, hey, man, they're going to they're gonna allow me to use a weapon like that. I'm, I'm going to absolutely take full advantage of it was it also for stability purposes it, um i know that one of the complaints i hear from fighters about the rings in japan is that you if that they can be very slippery uh for if you're not wearing like wrestling shoes or any type of uh tape was that also for the reason why no man i actually thought like the, the ring was canvas just just like the ufc like the, it was the same exact material the ufc uses so no i i really love that that ring was awesome you know and then the the a lot of people don't know those ropes are actually steel cable mm. steel cable that's that's got a rubber coating like the rubber you know hoses around it so those cables are about as sturdy as it comes so when you hit that you know it, it's it's all sturdy that canvas is super Super tacky, super good with traction. The only reason I taped my ankles was one hundred percent to enforce for body kicks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and into the second round, about three uh, three minutes and ten seconds in, you take him down immediately with a waist lock takedown. Um, we actually were you surprised how easy it was to take him down? Uh, this time being the second time that you did in this fight. No, not at all. We knew going into this fight, uh, the takedown was going to be presented there. You know, not that the guy, you know, like I said, he's a great fighter. He's a world class fighter, but you know, he's not American wrestling and you know Japanese grappling is not the same. You know, they they are really heavy on judo over there and rely heavy on the clinch. So we knew that the takedown was pretty much going to present itself whenever I wanted. 
you know, if, 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 you know, we got in trouble on the feet, I needed to take down, or if the timing was there and he got close, which which would happen in the second round, I just just so happened out of instinct and shot that takedown, took him down. Mm-hmm. And then he put you in the butterfly guard again, and it looks like he tried to get you into regular guard, but um, you would you were just pummeling his face, and by this time his eyes all types of fucked up. Uh, are you going for that? Do you continue going for that eye because you see how badly how badly swollen it is, or do you just start do you start going to the other side of the of the face? Like, what is what is the strategy for a fighter when they see um, that type of injury starting to um, become obvious? Of course, it's always you want to you know if you see damage, you want to keep inflicting more and more damage. That's how you know that's how you rack it up. But you know he was so freaking strong, man. He was so strong. Like, and I, and I'm a longer. Uh, I'm a longer limbed kind of fighter, so for me, all I was thinking is like, God damn it, I wish I could throw elbows here. You know, he kept controlling my wrist, knowing I couldn't throw those elbows. But I feel like if you know I was able to throw elbows, that fight would have been ended in the first round. You know, when I got him taken down there. But uh, you know, being he was so freaking strong and did such a good job of controlling my wrist, and uh, you know, and, and threat, he was doing a really good job of pulling my wrist in, but pushing, using those butterfly guards to kind of push me away and kind of keep me. Uh, keep me off balance a little bit so I couldn't really, really sit down on any good punches. So, um, you know, I, my goal was to try, you know, I, I don't ever really like to uh, just kind of lay on guys. And, you know, I, when I'm on top of guys, I like to look to finish the fight and to cause damage. So he did a really good job at uh, staying defensive there, I thought. And near the, uh, after you get up from the, uh, after from the ground, uh, he just starts kicking you a lot. He's not punching you a lot. And I'm guessing it's because he probably couldn't see, so he couldn't direct his punches that well. Um, but by this point, can you tell that he's, that, that he's just off, off his game right now with the, uh, with the, uh, bruised, bruised and swollen eye? Yeah. I mean, I could kind of tell, I mean, from, from the beginning, you know, I kind of knew my skill set was just, was higher than his, you know? And, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't really feel him break it. Like, you know, I, I, I think you give that dude the, the opportunity to fight, he would have fought 10 more rounds, whether he could see or not. You know, I think that's just kind of the fighter he is. Um, but I, I didn't know, like, I know he was squinting a lot, and I knew that I was kind of bothering him, but I, at, at no point did I ever think that he was any less dangerous or any less uh, capable of, of, you know, finishing the fight himself, you know? Because he almost seems to be throwing so wildly and not even coming close to where you are with those kicks that I'm just thinking, he can't see, and he's just, just, you know, hoping that you walk into something, maybe for a knockout. Yeah, that, that's possible, that's possible. Um, I think, you know, it could have been... He, you know, he was frustrated at that point. His punches weren't really landing. I was doing a good job of sliding in and out of the range. Maybe he thought he'd have a little more success with the kicks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's hard to say. It's hard to say what he thought. But, uh, mm. but yeah. Now, when now when the referee calls timeout, uh, this takes quite quite a while. I think it's about maybe three or four minutes total. I can hear you in the background screaming and you telling telling them to, to get on with it. Uh, what was, what was the motivation behind say, saying all that stuff while this is, while this is going on? Because I, I had actually just like, I had, I had had him hurt. I had him rocked and he was backing up. And, uh, so I had heard him probably 10 seconds before they, they stopped the fight to check his eye out. And I hit him with that left hook that kind of split his eye open and he was bleeding everywhere. And then, uh, you know, like, and I was, I was sitting and I was like, oh shit, like, well now he's recovering. Like every second that's passing, I'm like, fuck, he's recovering, he's recovering covering you know and then you know i kept thinking like uh you know they're gonna do everything in their power to make sure that their hometown guy is gonna you know like they can help their hometown guy out any way they can 
And I'm just thinking, you know, like, let's go. You're giving this guy an advantage. You know, like, it's either it's either he's good to fight and, like, get his ass in here or call the fight. You know, that's I was just kind of like uh, – I, I was kind of in, in, in fight mode, you know, in that, in that kill or be killed kind of mode. And I mm. just felt uh, – that they were they were kind of screwing me over by you know not calling it. <laughs> now I know about uh, about uh, commissions in the United States. Uh, do they have a time limit for how long the doctor can look at somebody before the referee has to make render a decision before like a TKO or doctor stoppage or something along those lines? No, I don't think so, dude. They kind of do uh, they do kind of they do it a lot a little bit a lot differently over there in Japan actually. So it's kind of uh, at their own discretion. You know, I think every doctor is different. Every location's different. Every night, I think every fight card, you know, is kind of different. So definitely not. They don't have any any set adhered, you know, guidelines or restrictions as far as uh, you know timeline on that. So how did it feel taking home a trophy with those beautiful girls that after the fight had been uh, had gone to your uh, decision? Uh, they do that trophy's cool, but honestly, the best thing, the coolest thing, it was uh, the gloves, man. Uh, so what, like, you know, I, I thought the whole time I was like, you know, uh, I was like these white gloves, you know, they're so sick. They're pride, the, you know, old school pride gloves, you know, but they're green, you know, they're just a little different now green and say rise on them. And I was so stoked for the gloves. And <laughs> after the fight, then they come and take my gloves away. And they're like, Hey man, you got to sign these and give them back. You don't get to keep the gloves. <laughs> I was so bummed out. I was like, you know, I was making a big deal about it. And, uh, I ended up talking to, uh, Shingo, that he's the he's the matchmaker over there. I'm like, dude, please just let me get a pair of gloves. And uh, it turns out, like at the end of the night, when uh, he went to pay me, he, you know, he paid me. And as I was walking out of the room, he goes, "Oh yeah, I almost forgot. Here you go." And he threw me a pair of brand new gloves. <laughs> I gotta take it's so, cool. it's so funny. Fans over here of Ryzen want those gloves to be sold so badly internationally. They all want to get a, a piece of those Ryzen gloves, even here. Dude, those are by far the best MMA gloves I've ever worn, ever, hands down, hands down. Uh, can you just uh, just uh, just tell me what makes them so better than uh, Bellator, UFC, or any other gloves that you've worked with? So Bellator actually kind of has the same concept. They kind of so what makes them great is they kind of already have like a a pre uh, uh, like a pre made curvature to them already uh, to your fist. And uh, the the wrist the wrap, the wrist wrapping thing has kind of got like a tangle that um, uh, it, it wraps at your it wraps your wrist just perfectly. It just form fits your hand just like so perfect. Whereas like you know UFC gloves like uh, Melbourne gloves are still kind of a little a little blocky and a little bit like ill fitting as far as uh, you know. There's they have some kinky they have like spots with kinks in them so to say. You know there's parts on the wrist that kind of they just don't fit perfectly. But those things man they're like they they fit like a dream. Hmm. How did you celebrate your win while you were in Japan? Uh, fuck me. I went to the hotel and got room service. So a lot of people, I don't, a lot of people never, if they've never been to a show over there, man, it is crazy how they do it. So we we started off the day at like uh, at nine a.m. You know, and uh, we get to the event and we have this opening ceremony, this huge opening ceremony. You know, and there's like thirty. 30,000 plus, I think it was like 35,000, I'm not sure exactly, don't quote me on that, but mm. the whole arena was packed, mm-hmm. from the time we got there to the time we left at midnight, we had the, we had an opening ceremony, we had all the fights, like an hour and a half intermission, then had a, a closing ceremony, we brought in the new year, and uh, man, there was not one person to, to get up out of their seat that entire day, dude, it was freaking nuts, like the, the events over there are just like unlike anything 
uh, we have in America, you know, or any, anything like I've ever been to in the world. So, uh, you know, pretty much the day was so long, you know, I got there so early and then we waited around. I think I was like fifth or sixth fight of the night. And, uh, then we just kind of, it was kind of like wait around and, you know, I was able to go out and mingle in the crowd and kind of meet everybody and, you know, uh, kind of just hang out. And then, uh, we did that ceremony. And by the time we got back to the hotel, it was probably one thirty in the morning and I was so hungry for some, you know, I didn't, I, all I, I, I would have killed somebody for a pizza that night. But I, I didn't get it, man. I just had to settle for some, some chicken wings and in the hotel room. So that's pretty much it. You know, I just called the, called home, called the family and, uh, I gotta ask also uh, during the post-fight press conference, you said something very interesting that got a lot of people uh, ears perked up. You said that uh, that you are over the UFC. Can I just du- double confirm that you are still feeling that way, or was that just a, maybe a, a spur of the moment uh, uh, type of uh, uh, of what you said? Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't like the context is is. I'll clear that up right now. Yeah. Like as far as being over the, the UFC, like they asked if I had any ill, like any bad feeling or any ill will towards UFC. Hell no, dude. I don't give a shit. Like you know, at the end of the day, I'm in this sport for me, myself, and I. You know, I'm trying to make as much money as I can. I'm trying to fight the best guys in the world and, and, and you know make the most money possible before before this window closes and I'm done fighting and I'm un, I'm no longer able to do it. So. You know, as far as not fighting for the UFC anymore, cool. You know, that was that was business, and I understand business. You know, they don't want they don't want my, the product that I sell. Cool. Like I found somebody else that bought the product that I sell. You know, and, and that's the thing. Like I know my product sells. Like I know I'm I'm a world class athlete, and I can fight for people. You know, so uh, that that's what I meant. You know, you know when this contract's up at Ryzen, and I and I win that Grand Prix, and I get that title. If uh, UFC wants to you know throw some money on the table, we'll talk. But uh, for now. I'm so happy to be fighting where I'm at, um, and uh, yeah, and, and UFC is, uh, you know, it's whatever. Yeah, speaking of the Grand Prix and uh, your future with Ryzen, we actually have a bunch of questions that are very similar, so I'm going to go through them uh, one by one. This one's from Darren Murphy at Darren205, uh, and he mentioned that you also, like a fellow lightweight fighter, uh, Damian Brown, want a, t- a crack at Takanori Gomi. Uh, but uh, seeing as Rise and Bellator are having their fighters compete with one another, is there anyone on the Bellator roster that you'd like to fight as well? You know what? Like, I, I'm not even too sure about who's uh, who's in the Bellator. You know, I know Benson. I know Benson Henderson is. He's my teammate. But uh, as far as that, I don't really pay attention, to be honest, to, to a lot of lightweights in Bellator. Um, yeah, what, you know, whatever. Uh, I don't really know anybody else. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'd, I'd be open to fights over there, but uh, I guess I don't really know any names off the top of my head. Uh, we, actually, going back to Takanori Gomi, um, as I said before, uh, Damian beat down Brown, another lightweight uh, in the division, wants a crack at Gomi. Any possible uh, possibility that maybe you two can sell the score and the winner gets to go fight Gomi? With Damian Brown? Yeah, dude, Damian's a warrior. Actually, I thought Damian and I would have fought... Uh, Back when we were in, both in the UFC, um, I thought I could see that that fight happening. Uh, it, it never happened, you know. Damien's a warrior; he's a tough, tough guy, tough as they come. And uh, y- you know, that's that's a possibility that you know that's uh, that I'm open to for sure. You know, it'd be an honor to fight a guy like that. 
um, you know, it would be a win-win for fans as well. So, uh, yeah, we'll see, man. I think uh, I, I think he's got a good shot of getting in that Grand Prix tournament. So, uh, so we'll see if that happens. Well, actually, also speaking of the Grand Prix, uh, from uh, Blue-Eyed Casval, whose uh, handle is at MMA underscore I is, uh, he asked... Um, what would be more important for you? Uh, what would be more of a priority fight? Uh, fighting Gomi or going into the uh, Grand Prix, the lightweight Grand Prix? Grand Prix. My, my goal is to be champion, man. That's, that's it. That's first and foremost. You know, uh, uh, I think Gomi, I just, I'm just a, a big fan of Gomi. You know, I grew up watching uh, Takanori Gomi fight. And, uh, you know, how, what, what's better than fighting your idol? You know, or fight, fighting one of your heroes. You know, I think every everybody grows up and aspires to, uh, to you know, to, to kind of beat their hero. Um, I know I did anyway. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, that that rising lightweight title around my waist is, is is my is my goal, and that's what I'm gunning for. Is there anybody else in the lightweight division? And I gotta say, the lightweight division rising is absolutely stacked. I think it's their most stacked division out of all of them. Is there anybody else who you have your eyes on uh, possibly fighting? Maybe Diego Brandao, Darren Crookshank. Is there anybody else that uh, is that you're gunning for? I, you know, they can all get it. Like, I, honestly, there's nobody I have no will towards. You know, I've been a fan of Crookshank. I've been a fan of, uh, you know, I've been a fan of Gomi. I've been a fan of... Um, uh, brand out, but you know, to, honestly, like I don't care who I fight. Honestly, I think uh, it'll be me, me and Brando in the, in the in the finals. Though I feel like um, I'll fight, I'll fight Diego Brando at some point. Hmm. I was gonna ask, uh, did you happen to get a uh, chance to watch the main event of Ryzen fourteen Floyd Mayweather versus Tenshin Nasukawa? I did, I did, man. That was uh, that was crazy. Yeah. Uh, wait, 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 what are your thoughts on it? Um, it was, it was. Man. So go ahead. It was it was it was crazy. Like honestly, my 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 opinion on the fight. So I'll I'll get to what everybody speculated after the fight. So my opinion on the fight was, you know, like Titchen is a, a sick ass kickboxer. You know, twenty eight no, you know, talent talented as they they come. You know, Floyd obviously his record his his career speaks for itself. You know, Floyd's the best the best of the best in boxing. That being said, you know, I thought Tinchin was going to come out. I thought it was going to actually be a competitive, you know, competitive fight. And, uh, you know, it comes out that Tinchin, that cracked that crack Mayweather with a huge, huge, like, I think it was overhand right or an overhead left or something like that. You know, Floyd was kind of toying with him, like, oh, 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 you know, throwing, like, feints at him and stuff. And Tinchin cracked him. Clark cracks Floyd with a punch. And you just see Floyd kind of like, all right, dude, now you're done, you know. And, uh, and then just t- kind of takes care of work, drops him with that body shot. And, uh, you know, like, I, I see I see the kid wiggling. You know, I can see it in his face. Just, you know, if, and if you've ever been hit with a good hard body shot, you know what it's like. You know, it's just, you just feel like crawling out of your own skin, you know. And uh, and then again, you got knocked down again, and then they threw the towel in. And, um, you know, a lot of people say that uh, it looked like he, the kid took a flop or whatever. You know, I was standing right there by the ring, and I heard those shots landing, you know. Bop, 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 you know, and you, you don't fake that. I mean, he might, it might have looked like the kid was flopping around, but keep in mind, dude, that tension kid is, is a small guy. He probably was, like, he was probably, like, 20 pounds littler than, than Mayweather when they fought. You know, he's a real little guy. And Mayweather freaking throws bombs, you know? And uh, from what I took away from that fight, man, I really thought tension was a good striker. Obviously, I knew uh, Mayweather was a good striker, but it just goes to show that there's levels to it. And, uh, you know, Floyd is, is as 
the topest level as they get, you know. Mm. Just so I'll let you know for for uh, uh, for the record, uh, yeah, I believe Tension walks around at around a hundred and thirty five pounds, and he cuts down to about one twenty five uh, for uh, his kickboxing matches. So that's yeah, he, he's little, and he's not even like he fights at one twenty five, but he's a small twenty five. Like, he's not a big guy. He's, he's small, you know. Like, I know guys, you know, Tim Elliott, for, for example, guys like that who fight in the UFC at 125, who are freaking, they walk around 20 pounds heavier than, than, than Tension does. You know what I mean? So, so it, it's, it's, it's crazy to see. Like, he's, he, that guy is a really small guy. I believe if they probably had, like, a 115-pound men's division, he'd probably be, you know, he'd probably fight to that weight class. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, is there? A, do you have anything else going on in the future? Any uh, fights uh, outside Ryzen or anything else that's going on uh, uh, fight wise for you? Uh, no. So, so, so I, I signed a uh, four fight deal with Ryzen. So um, we're, uh, fi- we're we're working on another fight right now. Um, kind of uh, looking around, uh, you know, early early summer and. Um, Someone robbing you. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so we're we're just trying to get a fight uh, finalized now. We got we got a possible opponent. You know, we're just uh, kind of looking for a date and um, and yeah, and then and then, uh, and then and then hopefully that Grand Prix starts mid uh, late summer and we're up, we're off we're off to the to the ball game. Uh, well, you know, you, you made a statement when you came to Ryzen. The, you, like you said, he was a hometown hero. I think uh, I think a lot of people thought that uh, that Yachi was gonna win, but uh, you 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 won up them. You you ba- you basically flipped the script. You said I'm. He- you came in and said I'm here. And I'm going home a winner, not not the hometown hero. Yeah, that's it, man. And, and I've always felt like that. You know, like I I love going in and spoiling guys' party. You know, there's uh, you know for anybody to think that you know they can just overlook me or take me lightly you know they got another thing coming i don't care who it is you know i'm gonna make it i'm gonna make it a fist fight whether i'm in there and i'm, I'm the more technical fighter or if you're getting the better me and i gotta bite down on my mouthpiece and just make it a dog fight you know i'm gonna get in there and i'm gonna compete so uh so yeah that just that just showed you know i think he was kind of feeling like oh you know he had a tough go his last outing and uh this was his hometown and you know, he thought I was cut from the UFC. I'm kind of on my way out, and, and that couldn't be further from the truth. You know. Well, it's actually funny that you brought it up that you that you're that you're the the party sport because in your first fight of UFC, you did the exact same thing. Fought someone in Japan, and you finished him in Japan. <laughs> yeah, second round actually, second round stoppage. So you you finish. You see, so it looks like we have a pattern here. You go to Japan and you finish guys in the second round. I think. I think this has got to be your gimmick, you know. This is, that's got to be your gimmick is finishing all the Japanese opponents in the second round. In Japan, <laughs> yeah. in Japan. I, th- I think you're onto something. So if you guys are into betting at all, I think that's a pretty safe bet. No, that's just like Ravonda Rousey <laughs> in her armbar, you know. J- you know, as soon as that second round comes around, you know that's that's when Johnny Case is going to take it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Okay, uh, uh, Johnny, where can uh, where can uh, people reach you on uh, social media? Yeah, you guys uh, hit me up, follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Hollywood Case, as well as on Facebook at Johnny Hollywood Case, and uh, hit me up, uh, shout me out, whatever, and I'll, uh, I'll I'll talk back, and you know we'll we'll communicate, network like uh, the rest of the world is doing. <laughs> uh, we've been talking to Johnny Hollywood Case. 
Winner at Rise of 14 against Yusuke Yachi by Dr. Stoppage in the second round. Johnny, I appreciate you once again doing this uh, interview. Uh, I know we tried to make it work for, for some time, but I'm glad we finally got time to talk uh, today, even though it's a few weeks after uh, New Year's Eve. Hell yeah, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And definitely when that lightweight Grand Prix comes around or your next Ryzen fight comes along, we'll definitely be talking to you again then. Yeah, you got it, man. Hit me up. It'd be great to talk to you guys. Okay, great. Thank you again, Johnny. Appreciate it. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. This is your hope.